Blog Talk Radio. Got a house down a back road, I got a flag. On the front porch, I got a dog named Waylon. I got a driveway that needs paving. I got a boat with a two-stroke, a couple guaranteed to make you laugh jokes. I got friends in low places, yeah, life. Not end up in the Hall of Fame with a star on a sidewalk with my name or a statue in my hometown. I got a loan at the bank, it's a big one The only place you might see my name Is on the wall for a good time call I'm a local legend on a Friday night In a past blue ribbon neon light I might not end up in the Hall of Fame With a star on a sidewalk with my name Or a statue in my hometown when I'm gone Nobody gonna name that I go down to the honky tonk. I go down, I go down to the honky tonk. I go down to the honky tonk. I go down to the honky tonk. I go down, I go down to the honky tonk. I not end up in the Hall of Fame with a star on the sidewalk with my name or a statue in my hometown. I might not go down in history, but I'll go down to the honky-tonk. I go down to the honky-tonk. I go down to the honky-tonk. I go down, I go down to the honky-tonk. I go down to the honky-tonk. I go down to the honky-tonk. I go down. Just when you thought the biggest, baddest track in NASCAR couldn't get any better, we broke ground on transformation. The Talladega Super Speedway infield project to enhance the fan experience. Check it out in 2019 if you're big and bad enough. To the fans who've been here from the beginning and the new ones along the way. To those who've witnessed history and those who've made their own. You've made the last 50 years go by fast. And we're not slowing down. This is Talladega. We're a tight-knit family, and it's time for a reunion. Talladega's turning 50, and it's bigger and badder than ever before. Terry with a beer helmet? <laughs> He'll be there. The Elliot, you know they're coming. How about you? Good evening from Dagan Nation. I'm Tim Despano. About a Speedway Digest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother? Doing pretty good. I hope yourself. 
Doing good. A little bit wore out and tired. Went to the media event out there today, and uh, we got all kind of news to talk about, folks. I mean, it's just everything. Uh, NASCAR come out with its uh, 2020 Cup Series schedule. It got a big, a lot of big changes on that. And uh, I had a media deal with Jeffrey Earnhardt at Tidal Super Speedway, like a like I had mentioned, we got to talk to the engineer, Lance, and the construction's coming along really, really well. And we got Patrick Barnfield, uh, Barfield, director of guest services and administration at Tyler Super Speedway is going to join us here shortly at about 15 or 20 after our I told him 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Uh, I won't get a lot of information from uh, from him. And I got I got some uh, audio from the media center we can play later, and I got some audio from uh, OD talking about the, the schedule, Stephen. But just like you said, you and I had figured that this would be the best move for Atlanta Motor Speedway and Brute Smith and the, and the bunch. They moved them out of that second race spot, just like you said, put them right after the West Coast swing. And then they moved Las Vegas up, and they also got homestead right after Miami on Sunday, March 22nd, 2020. So, I mean, there's a lot we can talk about. So, if we go through and talk a little bit about that and on down the schedule where the playoffs, they put Darlington Raceway in there also in in the playoffs. They're going to be the first round in the playoffs. And I think that's a real big deal for that throwback weekend there. Stephen, talk a little bit about uh, – how do you think the schedule looks for 2020? Um, well, you know, my only two concerns with it at this point is that, honestly, I don't think that marquee events such as the the um, Cut Zero 400 at, at Daytona should have been moved. Um, I think there's just some marquee events that, uh, like the Cook 600, Daytona 500, the Southern 500, um, they're just events that I think that they've been marquee over the years that we need to just kind of keep them where they are uh, because they work. Um, we saw over we saw years ago when when Darlington lost its Labor Day race and it kind of traveled around the country a little bit before it came back and we've kind of seen what um, the perception is to that, but. Um, We'll have to see. I know a lot of, I know, you know, Steve O'Donnell NASCAR says that a lot of drivers were, were asking for, you know, something like this. But on the second token, you know, Talladega used to be a cutoff race, and you know, we we used to hear from drivers and the fact of it being a cutoff race, and so many torn up race cars that they didn't feel like that they could uh, um, compete there without um, either lagging back or trying to stay out of trouble so they didn't feel like they were necessarily putting on the best show so that was moved so um you know those are my concerns as far as Daytona is um you know is concerned about moving their date and the other concern that I have at this point um is is Richmond Richmond is going to move to a Sunday now whether they're going to keep it as a day race or a late afternoon race I don't honestly know but um, I did go to the day races there, and I don't think that they were as well received um, as what Richmond and ISE and others were hoping that would happen by splitting them between one day and one night race. Um, I saw the crowds, in some extent, severely lacking compared to what I now see yet again with the <clears throat> the night races there. So, you know, hopefully they'll make a decision that maybe it's a prime time race. Um, something that um, fans could potentially enjoy, just like a NFL 
primetime event on you know, 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. Um, so, you know, right now I think those are really my concerns. Um, aside from that, um, NASCAR made the bold changes that people have been asking for for years. Uh, I like some of these bold changes. Um, I think it'll be intriguing as to the fact of the doubleheader in Pocono. We're going to run two 400-mile events out there. Um, and, you know, the, the playoffs now have more short tracks and road courses in them than they do mile-and-a-half tracks. So I think that um, is intriguing. I think this is something that the fans have been asking for for a considerable amount of time, and NASCAR has responded to that. Um, You know, we're going to go from places like Darlington to Bristol to Richmond and uh, Martinsville and Talladega and the the Roval at Charlotte. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think it gets back a little bit to the roots of the sport, especially the short tracks that we're going to go to going to compete on them. I think that we'll see more intensity that way, um, more raw emotions that way. Um, but going forward, um, oh, and, and the other thing is we're, 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 uh, we're going to end the season two weeks earlier than we normally have in the past. We're going to, fi- we're going to finish the season out on November 8th. The other thing that I kind of have with it is that the week prior to that is Martinsville. A November race in Martinsville is kind of hit or miss. I've seen it snow there, and I've seen it 60 degrees there in October. And the further you get into the the winter and the foothills, sometimes you're, you're going to contend with more cold and snow. And um, I guess we'll just have to see how that one plays out, but I think it's interesting that we're going to go directly from Martinsville, end the season, or, you know, go from there, and then end the season out in Phoenix touched on a little bit there also talking about the uh ending the season there at uh, ism raceway two weeks earlier than what we normally do you know just like you mentioned the fans and i'm sure the uh the teams they want this this is one of the longest seasons in uh professional sports they wanted it short and some and you know od said in the in the in the in the interview that that they took that into consideration about it being a long season but like i said um what why do you think now i don't know i'm I'm just asking, why do you think NASCAR moved the uh, championship four weekend ISM Raceway and then brought Homestead all the way back into March, which is going to be right after Atlanta? And, you know, you and I have talked about, uh, I've been to Atlanta the past five or six years. It's either, like you said, at Martinsville, it's either cold as a dickens or it's raining. And that was a real good move on their part. But I just want to get your take. What is, why do you think NASCAR pulled the four championship weekend out of Homestead? Honestly, I don't have a clue. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people have said in the past that they'd like to see, um, you know, the championship move around. And, you know, while there's, you know, a lot of logistics into that happening, and we've seen it just today where the question was asked, that uh, is this just a one-time thing out at ISM Raceway? And, uh, you know, Mike Helton, that was part of that event out there, said, no, this is going to be something that we're going to hang on to for at least a couple of years and see how it all works out. I think it's just kind of hard um, 
for Homestead, the slot that they've been put in. Um, you know, this becomes part of the spring break week and the spring breaks that are going to happen over the next three to four weeks or so when Florida and South Florida, Central Florida, Daytona Beach area. So I think that pulls a lot away from it. And while I think it could capture some of that audience, I think the larger part of that audience is going to be more centrally focused on, on spring break and think other things that are going on in the state of Florida at that time. Um, and I think it's especially hard for them definitely next year because we're going to end the season at Martinsville, I'm sorry, at, at Homestead in November, on the 17th of November. And barely four months later, we're going to come back and, um, you know, run another race there. So I think we just have to see how this all shakes out at this point. Um, so, like I said, some of these changes are very bold. Some of these changes, um, excuse me, needed to happen. And I think, you know, it's been coming for some time. Um, some of these I'm going to sit on the fence and I'll wait and see. And I think, you know, Homestead is one of those that I have to wait and see. And I have to wait and see how ISM Um you know those two tracks. How 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 in 2020 this this all affects um, the racing and the schedule and the attendance and you know all the other factors that go into this. Uh, I know a lot of people have said the Homestead is probably honestly one of the best mile and a half racetracks that we go to because of the multiple grooves that are around that facility. Whereas uh, you take a place like ISM Raceway where you know they were a Kyle Busch and you know, Kevin Harvick, those have been two guys at that facility where uh, in the past couple of years they've been almost nearly unbeatable. So I think it takes away from, you know, having a field of four or five or six cars. And we've seen at, at Homestead in the past couple of years that um, all four championship cars have either led a lap um, or led multiple laps. Well, we've seen them finish one, two, three, four, or within the top five, or within relatively close uh, to one another. Now, what happens at ISM Raceway is going to be hard to tell because you know we've got to see who's going to be into it first and foremost. And if it's like a Kyle Busch and a, a Kyle Busch and a, and a and a Kevin Harvick, I think that some of the other in the field is going to be in trouble because it seems to be kind of really in their wheelhouse as to, you know, who can dominate there. And some people are really good there and other people are not so good there. And I don't think, I think, um, you know, that's just, that's just what we naturally see at different racetracks anyways. But I think it's especially predominantly at a place like ISM where we have seen them to kind of just, you know, just they've been the one to beat. And uh, Homestead has not naturally been like that. We've seen a wide crop of drivers be able to win out there. I mean, we saw Brett Moffitt win the championship. Uh, we saw Tyler Reddick win the championship out there. Those are not necessarily drivers. We, they won races in 2018, but they're not necessarily drivers we always talk about all the time. So I think in Homestead's case, it kind of gives – it kind of is almost like – Daytona or Talladega to some extent where it's almost like an equalizer um, as far as mile and a half racetracks come and I think these drivers that are 
you know, not necessarily the Joe Gibbs or, you know, the Penske's or whoever the case may be is the most dominant field at the particular moment. Uh, I think it opens it has opened up a wide range of drivers in the past that have been able to go there and, and win. And um, so, again, I'm just kind of sitting on the fence. I want to see how this all plays out over next year, and we've got a long way to go. Um, you know, we got 2021 that's coming up at the same time, so, you know, there could be even more changes after next year. So we don't even know, you know, how this schedule is going to look uh, beyond 2020. You're exactly right, Steve. And Steve, let's bring on uh, Director of Guest Services and Administration here at Talladega Super Speedway, my good friend, Mr. Patrick Bar- Barfield, in the pit stop. Jimmy Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Patrick, how you doing this evening, brother? Y'all get everybody cleared out of the media center? Yeah, I'm just, uh, that, that intro right there, man, that got me fired up, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I uh, heard. Yeah, we had, a big, uh, we had a busy day out at the racetrack, and uh, we we got everybody, we got everything cleaned up and everybody out of there. Well, that's, that, that's good. And I want to thank y'all again for inviting me out. Y'all y'all always take care of not only me as media, but everybody else, local TV stations. Like, y'all do a great job with the media, Patrick. Just want to throw that out there. Well, I, I got to give uh, I got to give props to Russell on that one. Uh, Russell Branham, our director of PR. Um, you know, we're, we have a great team at the racetrack, and we all jump in and help out. My, my small part of that was uh, putting up signs to make sure people got in there, cones, and drive the bus around to get everybody over to the new tunnel. Yeah, and I want to thank you for driving uh, myself and JP over there and back safely. Which, when we got back, J, JP was already back in Betty Center, Peter. I said, JP, how'd you get back so quick? He said, I ran. I said, No, you didn't run back over here. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he, JP, JP knows everybody. He, he hitched a ride somewhere, did something. So, uh, and, and, and everything. He's, he knows a lot of people around there. He sure does, Patrick. And again, thank you very much for joining us up. If we can, we sort of let, you know, this is your first time calling in. We sort of let all, all of our listeners know uh, to sort of get your background check. I know you've been you've been in the around the sport for probably 20-plus years. Been here at Tyler's Super Speedway a long time, seen a lot of changes. Let everybody know exactly how, how you got started in the in the sport, Patrick, and whoever you want to find that helps you get where you are. Well, um, you know, I'm, I call Alabama home, even though I'm not originally from there. I've been here so long, but – uh. I went to school at the University of Alabama, and uh, when I graduated in 96, um, my dad and I were sitting around talking. I always wanted to be a race car driver. Figured out real quick that was never going to happen, so I might as well get into a sport that I loved, and I, I loved the sport of NASCAR. Um, growing up as a kid, I was a huge Richard Petty fan and a Bill Elliott fan. And uh, But as I got out of college, my dad and I started sitting around talking, and uh trying to figure out a way to get in the sport and find a job. And I was fortunate enough, uh, I have family in the Darlington, Parkville, South Carolina area. And uh, my uncle reached out to Jim Hunter at Darlington. And to be honest with you, my first ever job, it's not job, I guess you'd call it an internship, was with Russell Branham. So that shows you how old Russell is. 
Um, but I've been in the sport over 20 years. But I went to Darlington in the uh, spring of 97, fresh out of school, and uh, kind of was a gopher for him all weekend and uh, learned a lot from him, met a lot of people, and that kind of got my start in the sport. And where that ended up from there, I went to Daytona Beach that summer of 97 and just did anything and everything I could to uh, to get a job. And I worked part-time for several months and was basically, um, I guess, one of my cool highlights that year of 97 was I was basically a part-time intern in the PR department of Daytona during NASCAR's 50th anniversary and uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s uh, 20th uh, Daytona 500, which we all know he won the race. And uh, I was there. I was part of it. I was in victory lane with the PR department. If you go back and look at all the pictures from that race, um, the hat, the red uh, Daytona 500 hat, that was one of my responsibilities as an intern, go find that hat. So we had victory lane hats. So that's one of my one of the cool things that I always remember in, this, in my 20-plus years. So basically from there, um, I actually um, – Went to work for the corporate side, International Speedway Corporation, and worked in public affairs, which was governmental relations. Um, did that for about a year. Um, always kept in touch with Grant. I knew him through you know, before coming in the sport. I'd met him just talking to him, trying to find a job. Knew Rick Humphrey. Job opened up at Talladega in 1999, and uh, the rest is kind of history there. Um, I moved back to Alabama in September of 1999, and uh, I've been at the track ever since, um, whether it was uh, working in the ticket office um, and then moving over to my current position that has evolved over time um, as director of administration and guest services. So um, I'm, I, I guess you'd call me one of the old guys now at the racetrack. No, you ain't. That was just like Russell said. Grant, Grant sold his dirt, Patrick. That's what he said today in the media center. <laughs> I'm not going to say that, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, – <laughs> Grant, Grant's been a – he's been a great boss. He's been a great friend. Um, I've worked with him for a long time, and I always respect the guy because uh, as a kid in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I'd send him a resume, and he called me one day and said, hey, I don't have a job for you, but if you want to come over and talk to me, I'll give you some places to go try to find one. So I've always respected Grant Lynch for that. He's a superman, and uh, I've enjoyed working with him for 20-plus years. Amen, Patrick. And uh, just talk a little bit about we got to drive through the new oversized tunnel there right outside of Gate 9 at Tado Super Speedway whenever us media left the, the track. And just driving through that thing, Patrick, it is huge. And just to sort of mention uh, about some of the stuff that you do as far as guest services is, you know, my good friend Aaron Pate that I work with here at Coosa Valley, he drives a, a, a tram. And some of our listeners that have may not have been to Tado Super Speedway there is a ton and ton of acreage. There's a ton and ton of people to get in and out. Just that, not only that tunnel is going to help the uh, the NASCAR teams, the haul, the transport drivers and all, it's going to help you as far as logistics, getting fans around too, correct? Yeah, that is that is, that is correct. Um, it's a huge um, guest experience uh, amenity that we've added with this tunnel. Um, you know, I've been there for years and guess as part of guest services we're the guys we're a department of two people year round and then we go up to about 500 uh seasonal workers that come in and help us during each event weekend but part of that is uh the infield entry and access and that type stuff and i've been out at 
Everybody knows Gate 9, the crossover. You know, when I first got there, we would be out there at 4 o'clock in the morning loading RVs, having to wake folks up, get them moving. You know, with this new tunnel coming on board, you know, I've been waiting on it for many, many years. I've, we've, we've heard rumors of one coming, and then it just gets squashed. And finally, we, it's, it's, it's there because everybody drove through it today. I've drove through it several times. But uh, just Wednesday morning when that tunnel opens at 9 o'clock in the morning of race weekend, you know, it's open. And it doesn't matter what time you get there as a fan, you know that you're going to be able to access the infield in a timely manner and not be sitting outside while the track's hot and uh, waiting to get in and getting frustrated and just saying, I'm thinking I'm missing something and just missing part of the experience. So it's a, it's a huge amenity uh, from that side of things um, from, for the fan and then from my side of the business, which is basically all your fan touch points of, whether it's help, you know, I'm the guy that flies around a helicopter with state troopers and helps direct traffic in, along with uh, helping you park your car, tramming you in, like you talked about your buddy Aaron, who I talked to today that's working for us during the race. Um, we're, the, we're the folks there that are answering your questions, scanning your ticket, helping you find your seat, and turning around and helping you get out at the end of the day or fixing any opportunities or issues that you may have just so you have a great time at the event. Amen, brother. And Patrick, my final question before I hand you over to Stephen Wilson is: uh, Whenever we left the uh, oversized tunnel, after we went back around there, and I want to give kudos, Roger, Roger Haynes drove the uh, John, the first rig to come through that tunnel was Roger Hayes, Haynes in that in that in that John, John Ray. I'll get it out in a minute. John Ray trucking rig, and that was pretty awesome. But after we left that, when you brought us back to the media center, another thing, another amenity that's going to be ready this spring, you drove us through. The new uh, 71 spot uh, premium RV part, and uh, it's the first inside the track that's got all total hookups, and it's sold out for this spring. Can you let our listeners know a little bit about where that's located and what all that that comes with? That's a big, big deal there, Patrick. Yeah, part of the you know part of the infield transformation for this uh, project that's taking place this year for our 50th anniversary. You know, the tunnel we talked about that everybody knows about it, but the other the other piece of the of it that'll be finished for the spring is the finish line premium RV, which is a 71 spot um, gated community in the infield. And it's uh, it's asphalt paved spots with full hookup. So that's power, water, and sewer. And that's the first spots in the infield that we have that have full hookups. You know, we have, we've had spots with water hookups and, but we've never had anything with electrical or sewer. So, Sold out, like we said, 71 spots, and it's already close to being sold out for the fall of 19. So it's going along well. You know, we've got other spots that are coming open this uh, that we're building this summer as part of the transformation that'll go along the back stretch uh, or the Alabama Gang Super Stretch um, that'll be available also. So just uh, just another another piece of trying to. Uh, uh, improve that infield experience for the guest, you know, our iconic infield, you know, it, everybody that goes there, it's, it's something you have to see. It's kind of a bucket list thing. You got that right, brother. Listeners, if you had never been to Talladega, you ain't seen nothing. Uh, Patrick, I want to thank you for everything that you do for us media, you, Russell, Grant, the, the whole bunch out there, Kylie, uh, Hannah, y'all do a great job. And thank you for everything that you do for the sport. And thank you for calling in. That we really do appreciate it, Patrick. I'm gonna throw you over to SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. All right, I appreciate it, and we hope to see everybody at the uh, spring event. 
the Geico 500, uh, the Moneyline 300, and the General Tire 200. You can get your tickets at uh, 855-518-RACE. Thanks, guys. Patrick? Yes. I was going to let uh, Stephen Wilson talk for just a second, if that's okay. That's fine. I'm ready for it. All right. All right, go, All right, go ahead, Stephen. Sorry about that, Patrick. Uh, I appreciate uh, taking the time to come on here tonight. You've talked uh, uh, kind of on a lot of different subjects tonight. But, um, you know, I guess a lot of people, when when they get to the racetrack, uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily see all the work that's been put in. Um, you know, we, we talk to so many different people that they say as soon as they finish one race weekend, they're already thinking a year ahead for the next race race weekend. Talk just a little bit about what that process is, is that now you've got everybody there, now you've had the race, now you're beginning to plan for the next year or a year out for, for, for that next event. Yeah, so, you know, each each race weekend you kind of, you kind of once, once the dust settles and you slow down a little bit, you kind of go back and you, you look at, you look at, items that were great you look at things that you can improve on and you know it's you know i sit down with my staff and we just kind of we we brainstorm and figure out how we can do things better or would this be a great idea and then it's trying to make it come to fruition and uh seeing what it'll take to make it happen um one thing that we uh are currently working on to get ready for the fall with the whole new talladega garage experience is um an an improved uh transportation system that involves trams and buses and hitting multiple parts of the facility. You know, we're a 3,000 acre facility, um, trying to figure out the whole logistics of that to get ready for fall, which could be, you know, kind of like you have in your cities with uh, colored lines, you know, like you could have a blue line route, a red line route, orange line route that runs in and out of the infield with that whole experience to take you back to turn one or take you back to turn four, um, to, uh, to cut down that distance for folks, but it's just, it's just a lot of, you know, brainstorming, brain, I uh, can't talk, sorry, brainstorming and sitting down and uh, discussing stuff and trying to figure out how to make it work. What do you think the hardest part about your job is? The hardest part about my job um, is finding, uh, I, I guess, is finding quality people that have the passion um, and want to to come out and help us during a race you know we're a department of two and we have a seasonal staff each race of you know 450 to 500 folks and it's finding those quality folks um that can scan a ticket um make and make the guests feel welcomed getting them trained um you know we as a staff of 42 people full-time at the racetrack we can't be everywhere at once on race weekend you're depending on those folks to to uh, make sure our, our guests have a great time. that I would say that's the most challenging thing from our side of the business. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. Um, we'll let you get out of here. Thanks again, and uh, best of luck coming up with your spring event. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great evening. You too, Patrick. Appreciate it, brother. Bye-bye. Patrick Barfield there, guest services at Tyler Civic Speedway. There's a, like, I had spoke with him earlier, Stephen, that 
at the media center. He said, Tim, there's so much we could talk about. I said, well, you stay as long as you want to stay and just talk about it. But, you know, we sort of skimmed over some of the some of the main the main stuff that, that Patrick does. Patrick is a real good asset to Grant Lynch and his staff and Russell while I'm there at, at Tyler Super Speedway. And just like Patrick said, you can always thank one of them team members is what they call them. You can say thank you for everything y'all do for the media, and everybody wants to throw everything back to Russell Brown. Everybody says, you thank Russell. Russell does all it. Russell, you've been around him, Stephen, sometimes, especially here. Uh, race weekend, he's nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chair buzz. But anyway, he touched on, Patrick touched on a good bit there in a short period of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. That new oversized tunnel right beside Gate 9, that's going to be a big act big asset to him too as far as getting I'm just going to say ballpark counting the infield and grandstand you're probably looking at 100, 115,000 people getting in and out of that place and that's a lot to do and just like Patrick mentioned also that he flies around with the uh, with the state trooper, Trooper Daniel I've met Trooper Daniel a bunch of times he's been on Thunder 92.7 and Grady giving the traffic report flying around in that, in that helicopter and Patrick, uh, I don't know if I'd get in a helicopter with a uh, uh, Trooper Daniel, not let, let alone Patrick. Both of them are two pretty good-sized fellas. I'd be afraid that thing would weigh me down. I don't want to fall out there. But anyway, just, uh, Stephen, uh, any breaking news you want to talk about? I want to play some of that Media Center interview I've got from Tyler Dega with Jeffrey Earnhardt, Grant Lynch, and all the media members, and then we'll take a quick break while we're listening to that. Anything you need to bring up right quick? Any breaking news come through while I've been pulling my thumbs? <laughs> no, just not not much. I mean, except for you know, I guess the biggest news of the day is already out there with the scope changes in twenty twenty. Okay, well let's take a little break. Well let's let's just take a long break, Stephen. Uh, this media center interview, I'm just gonna match play and I'll find somewhere to stop it, and I'll let you know when I'm gonna stop it. But uh, I'll put you over mute, and uh, I didn't give out the number to call. The number to call in is two one five. Three eight three thirty six eighty one. I'm Tim Spain. He's Stephen Wilson. SpeedwayDigest.com. Right outside of Richmond, Richmond Raceway. We'll be right back after we listen to this awesome media center interview here with Jeffrey Earnhardt. Thank you so much for everyone being here today. I really, really do appreciate all the support that we get throughout the year and and coming in and, and doing these types of events. Before we get started, I want to make sure that everyone has seen. We actually sent something out on this a couple weeks ago, uh, which is a short video. As you know, we're in the midst, in the beginning here, of transformation. I want to just let you turn your attention to the screen. We're going to show you a quick fly-through video of what's going to be coming later on in the fall, if you hadn't seen this.
that's just what we've got coming uh, immediately after our spring race. Uh, we'll, we'll have mass demolition uh, the week right after. And of course, the, to start everything with transformation, we started with our tunnel that we're going to showcase to you later on today. You'll also be able to see our finish line premium RV area. Uh, we'll, we're going to take the media through there and take a look at that as well. So a lot of good things going on uh, for the upcoming spring race. And talk about a few other things we've got going on. I'd like to introduce our panel. Uh, of course, Landon Ash, he is the head of the executive director of the First Foundation and founder of Extreme Concepts. We actually sent a release out today to talk about our partnership uh, with them. Um, to his right, we've got Jeffrey Earnhardt, who drives the, uh, the beautiful number 18 IK9 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing and the Xfinity Series. And of course, he'll be making his cup debut here also uh, with the Extreme Concepts Racing as well here. So he's going to have a full doubleheader weekend to go in tune with everything that we're doing with Extreme Concepts. Uh, Grant Lynch, who's our track chairman, who's been here uh, since dirt uh, for a long, long time. Glad to have him here as well. Um, and then Lance Taylor, who's the president of Taylor Corporation, which has been in charge of all of the construction efforts that we've seen here uh, uh, since the beginning of uh, October. Um, we, again, we sent out a press release, and I think we passed it out to everyone, but we announced a great partnership today uh, with First Responders, uh, sponsoring our first res the First Responders Foundation, sponsoring our First Responders Program, and also Extreme Concepts. They signed on with us as well to be the sponsor of our whole new Wi-Fi. Everything that you just saw on that screen, there'll be Wi-Fi for all the fans in there. So it's a, a big 140,000 foot square foot uh, social area, and everywhere you go in there, you'll have free Wi-Fi, and that's all thanks to our friends here with Extreme Concepts. And uh, Landon, I know we were talking a little bit earlier, you're pretty excited to be involved here with Talladega. Uh, definitely, definitely really excited to be here. Our family's been involved with the track for a long time, and. It's it's a privilege to also with uh, Extreme Concepts and First Foundation to be involved as well. And of course, Extreme Concepts is based in Birmingham, and of course, over in Anniston, you have the IK9 facility as well with, with the training of uh, our dogs uh, that go into service, which is really, really cool. Yeah, we have a lot of military contracts and do a lot of law enforcement training at our facility in Anniston. It's uh, part of the former Barack Fort McClellan. And Jeffrey, you've been a, a, a big fan of Talladega Super Speedway for a long time. We've known each other for, for quite some time, and you've been coming here for a lot of years. Uh, what does this mean to you to have your sponsor be involved here at Talladega? Just tell us some of your fondness of this facility. Yeah, no, um, you know, obviously the, the friendship that I've gotten to build with all y'all here at Talladega is uh, incredible, and y'all always treat me like family every time I've been here. And, even chasing turkey for Grant, you know, so uh, a lot of fun had here and, and now to be partnered up with a company that's based out of here, um, or Anniston, Birmingham, basically right here, and then them to come on board and, and not just sponsor me, but sponsor a lot of the activities y'all have here at the track is very exciting, you know, anytime I get to participate in anything here in Talladega, it's guaranteed fun, so um, really excited about this, excited about the Wi-Fi, because I don't know how many times I've been at the track and you just can't get nothing to go out, so now y'all can tweet and Snapchat and send everyone all kind of videos on how much fun they're missing out on. And, you know, hopefully that just continues to draw more and more of a crowd here at the Speedway. Grant, again, it's always great to welcome a partner um, from here in the, the state of Alabama, but especially close by. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, Landon, the first thing you did right was you got a partnership with this young man right here. He has been 
such a treat to watch grow up in my career. I knew his, his grandfather really, really well. I knew his dad and everything, but he is a class act from start to finish, and you couldn't have chose a better person to represent your company, so I give him a lot of credit. I want to thank you for all the things you all stepped up with for us, with everything with the Wi-Fi and everything else you're doing with our first responders. I know it's dear and dear and dear to your heart with first responders all across the board and everything you do for us out there with, with the world as well. So we're very excited about the partnership. We're looking forward to it as we go forward and uh, just welcome aboard. We really appreciate that. I appreciate it. And of course, one of the things that I know most of you in here, you have followed uh, the progress of the tunnel. Uh, and I know that we've had to go against a lot of inclement weather, uh, but Lance Taylor here with, with Taylor Corporation, based again, another local company here just outside of Oxford. Uh, Lance, give us the great news, my man. We're ready to rock and roll, huh? Today for the track, for sure, because that tunnel's open today. So you guys are going to go out there and take some photos of that in a little while. It's a big day for us. Uh, He's right. The weather was not friendly for us. Typically, it's the driest time of the year. It was one of the what, top five on record, worst weather times it's ever been on record that we've had. But I got to give the guys a lot of credit. It's not me. It was a team of us out there getting that done. Uh, we fought that thing from the first week. And we'll keep fighting another couple of weeks. We're paving the track, starting that today uh, as well. Y'all may see some of the paving operation getting set up on the racetrack. Um, the RV lots, so we've got that paving finished. We've got a lot of dressing up and grassing to do over there, but everything's going to be ready for the race. So we're excited. Great. Yeah, I, and I want to say these guys started off and they cut that track and it started raining and they worked 11 straight days over the Christmas and New Year's holidays, 24 hours a day. And they did that to get a jump start on the project. And I would say if you hadn't done that, we wouldn't be where we are today looking at what we're looking out there now. But they never quit, and what's the total we pumped out of that hole? Well, we're over 30 million gallons, probably 30 to 35 million gallons. 30 to 35 million gallons of water we pumped out of that hole, so they, they've done a great job for us on that. Jeffrey, how excited are you to come to Talladega? Really, and you and I have talked about your career a lot, but you're coming to Talladega finally with some great equipment that I know you feel very confident in. For those of you who don't know, Jeffrey is, is now teamed with the Xfinity car with Joe Gibbs Racing. He led 29 laps in the season opener at Daytona and then backed that up with a sixth-place effort uh, in the IK9 Toyota. But that's got to give you a lot of – you seem like a different young man that I've seen in the past few years because your confidence level has been yeah, definitely. You know, everyone asked me, they said, man, what's the biggest difference? And the biggest difference is I'm having the time of my life, and that's thanks to Landon and IK9. They've given me this opportunity to go out there and compete and go to tournament every weekend with Joe Gibbs Racing, and then now with Extreme Concepts Racing. You know, we got the two cup races, but we also got five Xfinity races with Extreme Concepts as well, this weekend being the first one at Texas. So I'll be in the 81 car there. And, and we got an alliance with Gibbs, so we're going to have good equipment there as well. And um, we're going to keep the ball rolling, man. It's, uh, it, you know, as you said, we started out Daytona really strong, and we want to be stronger when we come here to Talladega. We got a double header that weekend, and I want to win both of them. You know, I want to <laughs> take both trophies. I want to be selfish. So. Make sure you all get that track nice and smooth. I don't want to truck it when I come across it. It's been a really exciting year, and uh, I just can't be thankful enough for the opportunity that Landon's given me to go out there and and prove that, you know, I, I have the talent to go out there and, and race for wins. 
All right, we're going to go ahead and open it up for questions. Um, Tim Despain right over here. We've got a couple running mics, so for those of you in the back that want to ask a question, Hannah's in the middle there and she can come to you as well. First one right here, Tim. Thanks, Russell. Go ahead. Thanks, Russell. <laughs> Try it one more time. Yes. Just yeah. go ahead. There we go. There we go. Thanks, Russell. Tim Spain at Pit Stop Radio. Jeffrey, uh, as, as Russell mentioned, you laid 29 laps at, at, at Daytona. The Earnhardt name is synonymous here at, here at Talladega Super Speedway. Dale Jr. even made the statement here in the media center a couple of years ago. It's like his second home. What would it mean for you to put the IK9 Toyota in Fitcher Lane here at Talladega Super Speedway? Man, it would uh, it'd be incredible, you know. Uh, as you said, my grandfather was the best here. I mean, it was incredible what he was able to accomplish getting around this track and, uh, you know, to, to be able to carry on that legacy of, of just dominance that my whole family has shown here at the Speedway would be incredible. And uh, to put the IK9 Toyota in Victory Lane would be uh, one heck of a way to start our first uh, our first cup race for Extreme Concepts Racing. So, um, shoot, if we win on both, I don't, I don't know if y'all be able, be able to get rid of it. We might, might have to borrow the infield for, for about a week or two. That's okay. <laughs> um, no, it would be, uh, be incredible to get the win here. Thank you. Open up for questions. Steve West from Championship Racing Network. For Lance, um, building the track back up and getting it to match your part where you're constructing it into the existing part of the track, can you kind of run down the process that you're going to go through to make sure that it's as smooth as possible? Goodness, we can, we can talk about this for days. I'll, I'll try to make it quick and explain to you what we did, but before we tore the track out, <clears throat> yeah, we took a laser scan image of the track, which basically shot... We went out there, you've seen guys surveying on roads or highways or whatever. Basically, we took over a million shots of the track. So we built a computer image of it is exactly what was there. So when we backfilled the tunnel going back up, we knew you know the specifications we had to do. The list we put in the backfield to, to eliminate the settlement, that's always an issue when you open cut a track. You know, the guys, these guys racing, it. tell you about going over areas that settled over time with dips and tracks and stuff like that. But, now that we're back up, Ellis is in the back, our project manager, he spent more time on anybody with us, building this GPS model imagery that basically, when you're paving the track the first time, it's difficult because the specs on it are extremely tight. You can lay a 16-foot straight edge down, and you go in there and lay two dimes on their side, not standing up. And if you can slide those two dimes under that 16-foot straight edge, you fail. So the specs on the track are very tight, which it's a good running track, obviously, and they can tell you that from when they resurfaced it back in 2006, but the specs to get it back to that point is, is difficult to do. Uh, there's three layers of asphalt that we'll be getting back up. The first layer is the binder layer. They'll go back in there and shoot the top of that again. We've got to grind or do any special, you know, things that's too, too bad out of spec. We'll get it a little tighter than the next inch and a half asphalt they put on top of that. Check it again with the surveyors. Basically, by the time we get to that leveling course, we want it to be more or less perfect for that layer. So that last layer of asphalt going down is exactly what it needs to be. So when these guys are running across it at 200 miles an hour, we don't want them to feel anything. They'll see the color differentiation in the you know gray or the overlooking asphalt versus the black, but that's the only thing. If we hear any, anything about the paving on the track, obviously the tunnel's a big deal, but we knew going into it, but the, best, the most important thing for me is gonna be getting these guys a, a good safe fast areas drive across on this patch, which is what it is. So that's that's the biggest 
thing in front of us and we've got a huge amount of team guys from the pavement equipment to the guy that the foreman actually paid the track last time we did he's paid about 40 or 50 tracks uh, he's out here as a consultant helping us so we've got everything possible that we can do to throw at it we're, we're putting on it with everything we've got just like we did the song yeah questions Microphone, come over here. Use my microphone. All right. All right. I have a question for Mr. Lynch. You've mentioned in the past that you all are responsible for more than $400 million um, in economic development in terms with the state. How do you think these new developments will come into play with that number? They'll do nothing but build on it. With the, the guest experience we're going to build here, and you saw the flyover. And the one thing we have that other racetracks don't have is we have the biggest infield in motorsports being the 2.66 mile oval and so we have more room to put up stuff like that so our fan amenities can be in a larger scale than you could do at a Richmond or a Phoenix which is about three quarters of a, and a one mile racetrack so we've got a lot of acreage out there that we can do what you saw us flying through with the fly through and I think it's going to pop in a way that's never been done before if we can if we can feature the top 22 teams in the sport on both sides of that fan zone that we were showing you where the people are actually immersed into the heart and soul of NASCAR. That'll be the first time anybody's ever been able to do that. It doesn't mean it can't be duplicated at some other track like a Michigan at some time in the future, but we'll be the first to do it. And so that's going to break ground that's never been broke before. So anytime you talk about Talladega and the competitive nature of Talladega and just what goes on in our campgrounds and in our infield, and we're a little bit of something for everybody. And while we do have the wild side of Talladega, we have alcohol-free campgrounds. We have about four church services on Sunday morning. So we are something for everybody here. And I think when you talk about the economic impact, one thing that's been consistent throughout my whole career is since I got here 26 years ago, every single race, we've been in the 70 percentile and up of people who come to our races from outside Alabama. So any tourism dollars that you can attract to a community, and for our community it stretches all the way from Tuscaloosa on over into towards Georgia, those people are coming here and they're staying with us. We're camping a lot of them on site, but they're in the hotels, they're in the restaurants, they're in the stores. They're, they're out there generating that revenue, and that's how the number gets so big. And even though our, our percentage of people that are coming, numbers-wise, may be down, my career is lasting now 26 years here, Inflation has gone up during that whole time frame, so the economic footprint hasn't changed all that much in 26 years because there's more money being spent when they're here. So we're real proud of our numbers, and they've always been. Question right here. Steve, I have a little bit of the uh, media center audio there from Childhood Super Speedway today. Uh, I ventured out. Uh, the bunch invited me out to cover the uh, the opening of the new oversized tunnel in turn three, and uh, I got to ask Jeffrey Earnhardt a couple of questions. I had another one after that, but Stephen, uh, did you talk about Jeffrey Earnhardt? Just like Russell Branham made the statement there, he seems like Jeffrey's got a little bit more pep in his step. He's uh, he's in some good equipment now with uh, at Joe Gibbs Racing in the number eighteen uh, IK9 Toyota Super in the Xfinity Series racing a few races, and he is going to race the cup race here at Dega this fall. And I admit, I'd ask 
accorded him the the question there. What would it mean for you to follow in your? Uh, you know, I I didn't really want to put him on a stage with Dale Senior and Dale Junior. I wanted him to sort of be his own Earnhardt rather than be one of the other Earnhardts. Just like he said, <laughs> he told Grant said if if they win, I just want to shut down the infield for a couple of weeks. But Stephen, uh, that young man proves he can drive, and it proves it proves if you put a driver in some good equipment. Especially Joe Gibbs Race, if they can get the damn job done, bro. Yeah, I think it's just about opportunity and what Joe Gibbs Racing brings to the table as far as their engineering and the cars that they're building, as well as, as, well as their engine packages. Um, you know, you, you can see a difference in the driver a lot of times just by putting him in different equipment. Uh, I mean, I think that's pretty indicative of the fact of what we saw with Ross Chastain, where he was. Uh, you know he he's been running for JD Motorsports, and uh, I know I'm kind of off topic, but I think it's a comparable scenario where he's been running for lower tier teams or teams that don't have you know as much financial backing as others. And uh, he he Ross Chastain was uh, leading and dominating at, at Darlington. He won at Las Vegas, and you know he uh, caught himself into the championship. Um, playoff championship in 2018, and that was just a fact of the type of equipment that sometimes these teams have over others. And with Jeff Earnhardt, he's kind of been in the same scenario where he's run for lower tier teams or teams that not had necessarily the the most financial backing in the world. And now you have a team like that that um, can not only build the cars but have the engineering and engine packages and the the people around them to support the cars and the on-track performance is uh, uh, indicative of, you know, what, what we've seen out of him already. And I think that if he continues long-term, either with Joe Gibbs Racing or with IK9 as a as a team, but they, they announced that they would be moving into the Xfinity Series with help from uh, Joe Gibbs Racing that, you know, as long as they uh, are continuing to put the money into it, then I'm sure that he'll continue to fare fairly well, um, considerably speaking, over some of his previous equipment. And, Steve, I know yourself, myself also, we're big uh, supporters of the uh, military. And that gentleman named Landon there with uh, IK-9 or with uh, Extreme Concepts, he had – which they actually had two service dogs there. I didn't know there was one right behind me. I had set uh, uh, far right chair number one right in front of Russell, and Landon had that service dog up there. And I don't care what he said that the service dog's name was, but uh, they are big supporters in the military and these uh, service dogs. Just like, you know, jo- uh, George H.W. Bush had that service dog named Sully, which was named after uh, Sully Sullenberger. Which uh, everybody knows the uh, the miracle on on the Hudson with him putting that putting that down, and they actually named that service dog after Sully that stayed right with George H W Bush until they put him in the ground. But some of these dogs, it's like he mentioned. I don't know if it mentioned it on the audio that I had, but that specific dog sitting right there with Landon. I think I texted you a a, a picture of. I think it's a her. She is a she is still a bomb sniffing dog. She is retired. She's still a, she's a retired police dog also. And from what Landon told me, I talked to him off 
off camera or off audio or what have you that that dog they actually had to had to calm that dog down when they retired that dog to be around some of these people and they trans they turned that dog into a service dog from a police dog and a bomb sniffing dog and that's really really hard to do but Stephen uh with me being the animal lover that that I am, I mean, there's it's just something about a service dog, and I wish you could have been there and seen how that dog reacts. That Landon just, I mean, you know, he would he would say something, and I think it's a Belgium dog. It's what he, the Belgium breed dog or something like that. But that dog done whatever he said, and he sit right there in front of all them people and. The Ken Patterson Media Center at Tyler Super Speedway and stood at attention. That just that just is something about something about that K nine dog stuff, even the service dogs. Well, my dad used to train German Shepherds from the local police department many many years ago. Um, I've heard the stories of the training and um, you know just the intensity that it takes. And you know this is something that some of these dogs they go through not just weeks or months worth of training, but there's years worth of training that some of these dogs go through. And depending on what their role is, depends on, you know, sometimes whether they have long-term training or, you know, which can last years or whether it's something that's a couple of months. But either way, you know, there's a there's a lot of uh, training that goes beyond this. Exactly. Steve, we're coming up here on the top of the hour. We've been trying to cover cover a lot of stuff, but let's try to, uh, if we can, Stephen, before we jump out of here, uh, Steve O'Donnell was made available to the media in a teleconference today about the new 2020 uh, NASCAR Cup Series schedule. Let's listen to a little bit about what O'Donnell had to say and some of the media members that called in, and we'll be right back. Thank you so much, and thanks, everyone, for joining following an exciting announcement on the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series schedule. Uh, we're, we're here with uh, Steve O'Donnell, NASCAR's Executive Vice President and Chief Racing Development Officer, uh, who was uh, integral in uh, building this 2020 schedule. Um, Steve, to that, to that end, I know a lot of went into it, a lot of people went into it. Um, can you sort of take us behind the curtain a little bit and, uh, and tell us what it was like building this uh, this exciting schedule for 2020. Yeah, thanks, Mike, and thanks for joining us. Um, you know, from our perspective, I think a, a lot of work was done by uh, Ben Kennedy, which is great to see him lean in and continue to do more uh, with the sanctioning body and was a huge asset in getting this done. And I think the biggest um, the biggest compliment is to the racetracks. We have agreements with all of our existing tracks uh, to stay at those venues through 2020 and also an agreement that we could not move a race unless they signed off on it um, more than two weeks. So obviously there are a lot of changes uh, that go outside of that two week window. The tracks understood our desire to make some bold changes along with our television partners and fans. And, and we think we've come up with a schedule that uh, has some unique changes for the, for the fans in terms of some short tracks, road courses, and also keeps iconic dates where they belong and, and sets us up for the future. Great. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we have about 20, 25 mi- uh, minutes for, for questions, so uh, I'll toss it back to the operator, and um, you guys can start asking away. We'll go first to Martin Velasco with the Miami Herald. Hey, Mike, Steve. Thanks for having this, this presser. Um, my question is just on the 
the change to the to the finale? Um, what went into that decision, um, and why why the move from from uh, Miami Homestead? Yeah, I think first it's important to note, um, you know, Miami Homestead's been a, a terrific host for the championship, but I think equally uh, as important has put on uh, tremendous racing and having full confidence that that will continue allowed us to, to make a change in the championship. Um, you know, Fox was very interested in having Miami as part of uh, their schedule of events as well. So we're able to, to really enhance the spring portion of our schedule and then also rotate the championship and more driven from a competitive standpoint. Um, you know, going to the same track year in and year out could potentially favor certain drivers. So we wanted to, to take a look at if we had the opportunity to go to another venue, what would that be? And obviously a ton of investments gone into ISM Raceway. It's a, it's a big sports market and we thought it was uh, natural for us to, to make that rotation uh, this year and, and see how it plays out and also put Miami in a date that we think works for them as well. Thank you. We'll go next to Bob Pockrass with Fox Sports. Yes, yeah, Steve, uh, can you give us any details on how Pocono will work? And like, could, I've gotten lots of questions on if you could do the road course one day and oval the next. So on the second one, the answer to that is, is I'm not sure if you could, but we're not going to. I think uh, a lot of details still to work out, Bob, but um, I think you'll see um, – all of our national series running there. So kind of a doubleheader Saturday, probably truck cup, a doubleheader Sunday, Xfinity cup, uh, most likely ARCA as well. So a ton of racing that'll go on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's a huge camping market. Um, we'll obviously work through some of the aspects of qualifying backup cars, that sort of thing, but all things that have been done before in other forms of motorsports. Uh, but, you know, confident it'll be a, a huge weekend for the fans um, with another announcement to come very shortly in terms of the format for that entire weekend. And it seems that maybe one of the biggest changes being talked about is the fact of taking Daytona off its traditional date and putting Indy there. Can you, did you have any qualms about changing a traditional race and then also kind of going back to uh, Indy when it's hot and only about five weeks removed from Indy 500? Well, I think it's also hot in Daytona on July 4th, so that's a bit of a bit of a myth to say it's it's hot in a certain market. So I think a couple things when when you look at it. So Daytona, in terms of traditional dates, Daytona is a traditional venue that that drivers want to win on and, and want to race and want to race there when the most important factors are on the line. <clears throat> and so when we talk to the industry, um, the industry really drivers and teams wanted Daytona. To end the regular season. Um, they thought that was the best date to open up the season with the Daytona 500 and then end the regular season with that last chance to get into the playoffs. Um, everyone felt Daytona belonged there and that track deserved um, to potentially be in that date. So that kind of started the thinking. And then as you look at July 4th being a traditional weekend around NASCAR in general, obviously needed an iconic venue to, to fill that slot. And you don't have to look far to say that Indianapolis can easily fill that um, for, from a track standpoint, an iconic track for us, um, a great celebration of July 4th. And I think we'll have some, some good things to report into what that weekend will look like as well around July 4th and 5th. Steve, that was OD there talking about the uh, new changes to the 2020 Cup Series schedule. And uh, 
before we jump out of here, uh, is there anything you want to throw out there as far as any other schedule change you got to floor? <laughs> yes. Martinsville Speedway, we've been asking for it for now three years since they put the lights in up there. When are they going to hold a night race? And in 2020, on Saturday night, May 9th, they're going to turn the lights on and set them loose for 500 laps around that board. I'm ecstatic about it, considering that I went to the, to the 2016 late model race. That's awesome. Hold on, but let me let me hear the sound Breaking news there, Stephen Wilson let the world know it, which I knew everybody else knew it, but we're going to go dot racing, Marvel Speedway, Stephen. I'm going to have to uh, send in my credential request for that one. That's going to be that's going to be good. And like you mentioned, you went to that uh, to that that one night race, Stephen. When was it? Was it was it last year or something? Uh, sort of hit me out. Twenty seven. Twenty seventeen. They put those uh, lights in. They put them in. I said twenty sixteen, but it was twenty seventeen. They put the lights in. Uh, and they ran that first night race, that late model race there. Exactly. And, uh, listeners, we're going to jump out of here. I'm going to let Stephen Wilson have the weekend schedule for Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. Let him read all that off. And then uh, we're going to let all y'all know where y'all can follow us at on social media and everything. And, again, thanks for listening to that. And uh, thanks to Patrick Barfield for calling in. Thanks to Tyler Super Speedway for allowing me to come out there and cover today's media event with Jeffrey Earnhardt and uh, talk to Grant Lynch and everybody out there, Lance, the engineer that's over that. Uh, the tunnel's open. I got to drive out of it. I actually done a Facebook Live if you want to go and look at it. Uh, I actually made a wrong turn, Stephen. I don't know if you actually watch it yet, but uh, I was headed over to go out that out that new tunnel. I was, the on, I was the only vehicle. I was in Suzanne's car. She calls it Betty Chevy. And I made a wrong turn. Well, some of the dirt they had drug up, you can see where some vehicles had been running across it. So I just went a little bit of dirt track in there at Tyler Super Speedway and got over there where I could do a Facebook Live. But if you get a chance, check that out, Stephen. Stephen, go ahead and let everybody know the weekend schedule this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. At Texas Motor Speedway this weekend, we're going to have three nights of, or three days of racing action out there. Everything's going to kick off Friday afternoon. Uh, NASCAR camp, we'll have a bunch of practice throughout the day, but NASCAR um, gander out there, truck series qualifying 510 Eastern time. Uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying at 740, then at 9 o'clock. Um, yeah, the Vancore, I have, hopefully I said that right, Vancore 350 out there. Um, that's 147 laps, 220 miles. Yes, that's 350 kilometers for those that are that are wondering about um, on Sunday, 1010, uh, Xfinity Series qualifying at 1 o'clock, 200 laps, 300 miles for the My Bariatric Solutions 300. Then on Sunday, they have O'Reilly Auto Parts 500, uh, 3 o'clock. Um, FS1 will have your trucks and your Xfinity uh, on Friday and Saturday. Stephen, let everyone know if they can follow you out on social media and your website too, bro. You can follow me at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Stephen, thank you very much for being a great host with me. Uh, it's been a it's been a been a real good 
upward climb over the past five years, and I've really enjoyed it. Tell, tell AM and the boys we said hello, and uh, y'all follow Stephen Wilson this weekend on on Twitter at SpeedwayDigest.com. He, uh, he covers everything uh, lap per lap. If you have any questions, just hit him up on Twitter there, SpeedwayDigest.com. He will answer anything you got to say. Stephen, thank you again very much. And I, like I said, I want to thank uh, Patrick Barfield for joining us tonight, uh, Director of Guest Services there at Tidal Super Speedway. And I want to thank everybody at Tidal Super Speedway for allowing me to attend that meeting event today. And we will talk to you next Tuesday evening. Like I said, uh, I'm Tim Spain. The way the crow flies, about eight miles south, this 2.66-mile monster we call Tidal Super Speedway. And he is Stephen Wilson. Speedwaydigest.com is right outside of Richmond. Stephen, y'all have a good evening, brother. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.
just when you thought the biggest, baddest track in NASCAR couldn't get any better, we broke ground on transformation. The Talladega Super Speedway infield project to enhance the fan experience. Check it out in 2019 if you're big and bad enough. To the fans who've been here from the beginning and the new ones along the way. To those who've witnessed history and those who've made their own. You've made the last 50 years go by fast. And we're not slowing down. This is Talladega. We're a tight-knit family, and it's time for a reunion. Talladega's turning 50, and it's bigger and badder than ever before. Terry with a beer helmet? <laughs> He'll be there. The Elliots, you know they're coming. How about you?